Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Tasted your goodness. I trust in your promise. I'm going to wait on Thank you, Lord. You may be seated as we prepare to enter into communion. I'm going to be reading this morning or uh, this afternoon now from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 23 uh, down to verse 33, and I'm going to skip a few verses in between. Verse 23 reads, For I have received from the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 33. So then, my brethren, my brothers, my sisters, when you come together to eat, wait. He said, wait for one another. The Apostle Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. And he was speaking to them or writing to them because he needed to set the way that communion or the Lord's Supper was observed. And when he instructed them to wait, that word wait that we see in English is translated from a Greek word, adekomai, 
and it's more properly, maybe more properly translated to await. In other words, you're not just sitting here twiddling your thumbs, but there is an expectation. See, the way that we serve the Lord's Supper today, we kind of lose the context of what was happening in Paul's day. When the Corinthian church would come together, it wasn't like what you observe here when you walk in and somebody's handing you elements. But everybody brought something. And what he was speaking about, the part that I skipped over, was because many of the people, what they brought, they just consumed on themselves. They weren't waiting for you. They didn't expect you. But we've come, and thank you, worship team, we've come with an expectation. When they were singing, wait on the Lord, we, they had an expectation that God was going to show up and God was going to do something. So as we enter into communion, every time you come, to communion service. Peradventure, every time you come to worship service, bring something. Bring a blessing to share with your brother and sister. There ought to be an expectation. So take with me the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. and have an expectation as you partake of his body, you will receive Jesus. As you partake of this bread, you will become, as the Father intended, more like his son Jesus. Because that was his intent from the beginning. So let us eat the bread. Thank you, Father Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that he was willing to submit himself to the punishment that we deserve so that we can put on the glorious robe that he deserved. Thank you, Lord, that he died. He was beaten. He was smitten. He bled so that we can be recognized like him as the son of the most high God. So take the cup. And with love and appreciation and gratitude, let us salute our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. And it would be completely appropriate for you to move in to worship as the worship team comes back. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. My, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> uh, my name is Brother Denver Powell, and I have the privilege and distinct honor of welcoming you to the house of the Lord this morning. Um, I'm so excited to be here and see all of you as well. Yeah, come on. Praise God for that. Yeah, that's right. So at this time, I would like to take a moment and welcome any of our first-time guests. So if this is your very first time joining, uh, whether online or in the sanctuary right here, um, we want you to stand, not so that we can get you to say anything, but just so that we can honor your presence because you gave us the gift of your time. And that is something that we value and treasure here at Pentecostal Tabernacle. Yes, praise the Lord. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Well, y'all may be seated. And we have a little surprise for you because we just want to bless your life. I'm going to need the worship team to join me, and we're going to sing our welcome song, y'all. So just wave at the people that are, are new. Just give them a good old wave offering, okay? All right, come on, y'all. Help me out. Welcome, welcome to Pentecostal Tabernacle where Jesus Christ abides. Welcome, welcome to Pentecostal Tabernacle. And what is our mission? Y'all sound great this morning. Yes. Yes. Well, we are super excited here um, because it's the month of February. And aside from the birthdays that are happening this month, it is Volunteer Appreciation Month. Yeah. Yeah. Vo come on. Yeah, that's something to praise God about. We're so excited because all month long, we are going to be celebrating those that give of their time to Pentecostal Tabernacle. We know very well that this service does not happen. It is not by itself. It is obviously by the grace of God, but it's also because people answered the call. And so we are grateful um, for all of our volunteers. We are thankful. We are thankful for our PT staff. So if you see them this week, if you see them after church, give them a, a thank you. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, a thank you can shift a week. Just a single thank you can shift a week. You don't know how much we pour out, and a thank you really does mean something. So at the moment, um, the ushers, if you didn't get one on your way in, they have these little drops, and they're called a drop on your bucket. And we want you to fill one out. Yes, like so. We want you to fill one out and thank somebody that you know that is serving. Thank a team, thank a staff member, and put it in the baskets below or wherever the baskets will be after service. 
downstairs. Thank you, Auntie Debbie. So we want you, you can fill out more than one. If you want to sit there and write for days, please do. Be led by the Lord. Do it. Because we want to show our volunteers that we love them and that we are thankful for them. Amen? Amen. All righty. Hallelujah. So um, I think we have a slide that shows all of the different ministries that we have. If we don't, that's fine. They had it at first service. That's fine. Um, but that being said, um, we are going to uh, bless the offering and the sermon uh, that is coming. Um, and just as a reminder, um, we live in New Testament times, and the Bible tells us that we are to give to your... Oh, great. It's on the screen. Thank you, Akofa. These are all of the ministries that we have here at PT. Guys, there's so many people that we have here, so many teams that make this happen on a day-to-day. -day. Give God some praise for this. Give God some praise for this. No, okay, I'm sorry. I grew up in a real Baptist church, and we're not going to give God a raggedy praise like that. So let's stand on our feet and thank God for what he has done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. All right, y'all can sit. It's okay. Y'all can sit. Y'all can sit. All righty, so let's go ahead and, and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we are thankful, Lord Jesus, not for what you, simply for what you do, but for who you are. Lord, we know that you are gracious and merciful and loving and sovereign, Lord. Father, we thank you for each and every single person here, Lord, that has something to give and for those that do not have to give. Lord, we are praying that you bless and multiply this offering, Lord Jesus, and the tithes. Lord, make it go to the benefit of your kingdom, Lord Jesus, Father God. God, we are grateful and expectant, Lord Jesus, that you will do a work through our giving today. Father, we thank you for the sermon that will come forth from Bishop, Lord. We are thankful for our Bishop. Lord, we cover him in the blood of Jesus right now, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are giving us in this moment ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Father God, that you're giving us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that the eyes of the understanding of our heart are going to be enlightened to the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Father God, thank you for restoring hope in people's hearts today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Father God, for deliverance, Lord God, and freedom that is breaking forth in this place because of the word that is being released. Lord, we honor you, we praise you, and we bless you in your precious son's name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Some more things, something's moving. 
Something's changing. I see his glory. It feels like heaven on earth. Are you ready to continue to declare? Are you ready to continue to prophesy? Come on, let's sing this song together. Hallelujah, yeah. Oh. 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 Heaven. Heaven. Heaven on earth. Oh. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me, and He's calling me to the heavenly. Be seated, Be seated in heavenly places. just like heaven, just like heaven, just like heaven on earth. to be walking.
be seated. Please, Father, in a while. Wow, God is good. Get myself together here. This month is again Love Our Volunteers Month. And uh, praise the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Just we want to remind you to fill out these drop in the bucket. It's some nice words of affirmation. That's one of the love languages we're going to use this week. to just encourage you to let people know these volunteers, whether they be people on this stage or people who make sure that the restrooms are clean. Uh, we just want to really be a blessing to our volunteers. Also, um, want to let you know that just as you go downstairs, you can fill it out here and go downstairs, but make sure you fill it out. Also, if you are a person who say, well, what about me? Well, glad you asked. You can put something in the chat or you can send a thank you to our volunteers uh, at p mail at ptspice.org, mail at ptspice.org, because believe it or not, the reason why you can watch online is because volunteers make it possible. Come on, let's give the volunteers a six other churches, uh, one of them being Hilltop. We love doing church with Hilltop, and we're going to have a combined worship team. You do not want to miss that evening. It's a nice way to begin to start the Lent season, and so um, we're not going to have ash, we're not going to have ashes for Ash Wednesday, but we are going to really pray and anoint ourselves with oil as we go into this new season. Some of us will fast, may fast during that season, but it's just a wonderful opportunity to get closer to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, the other thing I want to say is that we are so grateful for one of our I, you know, young people, and they're not young, but they're younger than me, so they're a young person. And um, you may not realize this, but this is Brother Denver's last Sunday with us. Yes, we're going to miss him. Uh, he's, why don't you stand up so they can see who you are, Brother Denver. Amen. He'll be moving back home with his mom and grandmother 
at, in Florida, but God has really, <laughs> yeah, after yesterday, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, but he'll be leaving, and so after service, you may want to give him some love and say, uh, we miss you. He came here as a freshman at Berkeley, uh, came here as a, as, a, as a child and leaving as a man. And so we're grateful for God. Come on, folks. How many of you love Jesus? Amen. I lift my hands in total adoration unto you. You reign on the throne, cause you are God and God alone. Because of you, my cloudy days are gone. I can sing to you this song. I just want to say that I love you more than anything. One more time, I lift my hands. I lift my hands in total adoration unto you. You reign upon, you reign on the throne. But you are God and God alone. Because of you, my cloudy days are gone. I can sing. I just want to say that I love you more than anything. Come on, I love you, Jesus. Come on, Denver. Come on, help me here. I love you, Jesus.
your faithfulness. Speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before you take your seat, tell somebody next to you it's good to be in church with you. It's good to be in church with you. Amen. Well, I'm going to share with you a word this month we are going to, this may be for some of you, uh, one of the most important series that you will hear for your life in this season. I, I just got a text from a wife telling me that at the eight, well, the nine o'clock service, we don't do 8.30 more, nine o'clock service that that the word this morning shifted her husband's life. I had a, amen, amen. I had another man, I think he was a student from Harvard, because uh, he had on a Harvard trip, but he ran up to me after service with tears in his eyes saying, 
this is the best message I've ever heard you preach. Um, and you know, I think the best message is the one you need. Amen. Amen. It's the one you need. But this series, uh, the Lord has put in my heart this week, is uh, you, you want to spend, you know, especially those of you in college, you, uh, students, whether you're in grad or undergrad, or you're trying to make life decisions. Uh, if you have friends, you get them into this place this month. Get this, get them into this place this month, or make sure they see online uh, what we're going to share with you. Because I really believe that God wants to shift some of your lives into some, into spaces and places that you have been waiting for for a long time. I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Lorraine Voltaire, woman of word, who got that wonderful, <sighs> that wonderful series on marriage and dating on yesterday. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, and give a, really want to give a shout out to the panelists, uh, uh, Brother O'Henny. Uh, Asari and his wife, Dr. Regine, they've been married 19 years and it was just an amazing uh, words of wisdom. And then, my goodness, my goodness, my nephew, uh, Sheldon and his wife, Siobhan, oh my Lord, they were, wow, my goodness. They were amazing. If you want to get some good advice from a young married couple, yeah, they were amazing. So it was just a wonderful time in the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, I'm speaking a series entitled starting to, um, this Sunday and it will end at the last Sunday in February unless the Lord jams up to our service like he's been doing for a while. But this series is called, uh, I Need Answers. I need answers. Plenty of questions, but I need answers. I need answers. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, but when you fast, Trinity and Abram said, he didn't say if. You treat fasting like an if at your own peril. When you fast. Just like, I think in that same chapter, he said, when you pray. So I don't know why he would say when you pray and then say when you fast and mean two different things. When you fast, put oil on your head, anoint your head, and again, that oil was a fragrant oil because back in those days, they didn't have you know, uh, deodorant. And so the fragrance of the oil was used to you know, cover up the, the, the odor from perspiration. So as you came into somebody's house, they would anoint you with oil. 
Anoint yourself with oil and wash your face when you fast. I need answers. Fasting is one of the great spiritual disciplines in the scriptures. I want to encourage you if you want to know, well, what are the spiritual disciplines? There's a discipline of worship. There's a discipline of uh, uh, being solitary, that is being by yourself. There's a discipline of studying the scriptures. There's a discipline of witness. And if you want to know, well, what are the spiritual disciplines? I'll recommend two books. One is a book called Spiritual Disciplines by Adele Calhoun, who actually ministered, her and her husband ministered at one of our marriage retreats. Um, and then the other one is more of a classic uh, that I, one of the first books on spiritual disciplines that I read. It's called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Get any one of those books and it'll really help you to have a spiritually disciplined life. Isaiah chapter 58 is a guideline on what the purpose of fasting is. When you read the scriptures, contrary to popular belief, fasting, the primary goal of fasting was not for your breakthrough. It wasn't for you to get your blessing. But when you read the context of Isaiah 58, the primary purpose of fasting was for justice. The least of these. And Micah chapter 6 verse 8 tells us that God is a God of justice. He, God is for the underdog. And you say, Who, who's the underdog? You and I. The scripture says when we were yet without strength in due time, Jesus died for the underdog, the person who couldn't help himself, and that's you and I. During this time that Isaiah wrote this great scripture, this great chapter on fasting, Israel, or particularly Judah, because Israel split into two nations, the southern nation being Judah, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, Judah being the lineage of David. During this time, it was probably the worst time historically and spiritually in the history of Judah from which they never recovered. And eventually God basically said, I've had enough of you. Seeing that my house is not being gonna be used for worship, I'm gonna send the Babylonians to just burn it down. Manasseh's name, he, he ruled for Israel or Judah for 55 years and did the most hideous, horrendous things that you could imagine when it came to worshiping God. He actually fulfilled in a negative way his name because the name Manasseh means to forget. And he did all he could to make people forget 
the God of Israel. The name Manasseh not only means forget, but it also means to neglect. And I say that because fasting is one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines in the house of God. We as a church, I want to remind you, we as a church, Tuesday is our day of prayer and fasting because everything that we have, this building, the administrative building, the parking lot, PT North, our other building, not only are they our properties, but by the grace of God, they are all paid for. We owe nobody. We paid off by the grace of God this building and our administrative building, totally million dollar buildings in eight years during the pandemic. I say that to say this, do not tell me that prayer and fasting does not open the windows of heaven and allows God to bless us in ways that we can't even conceive. But now we're taking up another notch because we now use Thursdays to pray specifically for our children. From those who are just born all the way up to 25, we pray for them because we want the Lord to rescue our kids because this pandemic has wreaked havoc in the lives of kids. And we decide we're not gonna stand there and just watch the enemy take advantage and, and, and break the lives of those who are too young to even advocate for themselves. And I wanna praise God that this past Thursday, we started praying for our children. We have a prayer time from 1 p.m. to 1.30. 1 p.m. to 1.30 on Thursdays to pray specifically for our children. And you can just hop online, but we're believing that God is going to move like he's never moved before. And you know, God is a Jehovah sneaky because after we did this, we started uh, this past Thursday. This morning, a teenager came up to me. Say teenager. teenager. Teenager came up to me after service and said, Bishop, uh, this still blows my mind. I didn't tell you this, Con. A teenager, say teenager, teenager, came up to me and said, Bishop, I am going to spend three days at a monastery in prayer and fasting. And I want you to show, could you give me some advice as to how to do this? A teenager. I, I don't think you understand. It's not by accident that once we started praying, 
the Holy Spirit's moving. Something's moving. Something's some seems like what? Heaven on earth. When it, you don't, you know how many parents would kill? Well, not kill. That's a bad word. But <laughs> you know, would 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 love to see their teenagers say, "Mom and Dad, I want to go to a monastery for three days and seek God." This morning. If we stop respecting the discipline of fasting, it'll change everything. The word discipline is not, I know the connotation is just to be able to stay, you know, within a certain uh, spare and, and, and to be repetitive and not to vary. But the word discipline means to instruct. Are you following me? Instruct. And, it, and I know we look at an instructor as somebody who trains us or somebody who teaches us, but the word instruct, the etymology, it is two Latin words, in which means inside, and struo, from which we get the word structure. So the word discipline means to put structure on the inside so that the structure on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. And if you walk in spiritual disciplines, then when you're older, you're able to see the fruit of the discipline or the structure on the inside. Are you following me? We just, whether you like them or not, we must still celebrate the fact that a 45-year-old man named Tom Brady was able to play football, professional football, far beyond the years that anybody could even imagine simply because he had structure on the inside. He sacrificed banana splits for avocado ice cream. I don't have that kind of discipline. I don't even like avocados. There, 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 there's a, <laughs> my mom loves them. There, there's a, then you look at LeBron James, who's about to break he, he is one of the best basketball players in the league at 38 years old. That doesn't just happen. Tom Brady is playing football against, he's playing football against the children of the people he played against when he first started football, he's played against their children, folks. Do you comprehend that? And you say, what does this have to do with me? I'm saying to you that when you have spiritual disciplines, people will look at your life decades later and say, I want to be that dude.
This year, me and my wife are going to be celebrating, uh, in fact, in three months. Yep. March, April, May. Yeah, in three months, we're going to be celebrating 40 years of marriage. 40 years. And I'm going to tell you the secret of that, and I'm going to get into that. I don't worry, I'm not going to be long. The secret to that is that is when we actually finally, finally started being boyfriend and girlfriend, the first thing we did was agree that we would have a day of prayer and fasting. Thank you. And I'm going to tell you something. Can I, can I keep it real for you, young people? The prayer and fasting kept me and her from messing around prior to marriage. I want to say that the prayer, of, I don't know why I'm saying this to help somebody. Uh, what, do we, what do you mean by messing around? I'm talking about premarital sex, okay? Okay, this is, this is February, right? Okay, 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 just want to make sure. And, and so it kept us, from, it kept us from, from messing around. Now, I said it kept us. I said it kept us. I didn't say, the, the, I didn't say we were volunteering. It, it kept us. He, he'll keep you. I got, I got married as a virgin. He kept me. He kept me. I remember on one of those days of prayer. Can I, can I, can I keep it real for you? Young people are like, boy, he's preaching now. We started out in prayer vertically. And, and somehow... We ended up horizontally. I, I don't know when the spirit left, but I'm so glad he didn't leave. And as we were looking at each other's gazing, not into his face, but into each other's face, the phone rang. I'm talking about, there were, no, there were no cell phones back then. It went bring, 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 and the anointing hit my wife because I was already a captive in Babylon. And she, she pushed me out of the couch, and I hit the ground, and it's like I came to my senses. Like, thank you, Lord. So I'm here to say that there's no magical dust that kept us. It was the grace of God. That's why when people say, no, Bishop, I messed up, you're not going to hear any condemnation from me because there, but the great God always says, God always has a little reminder. Like, you, you remember when you landed on the, on, on the, on the floor, mm -hmm. I intervened through the arms of common. I've intervened. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. My mother was like, where was I? You were at work. Um, <laughs> So what do you need to fast? Why, why do you need to fast? Fasting gives three, brings three things, and they're all different. It, it brings clarity, it brings answers, and it brings direction. Say it with me, clarity, clarity. Answers, answers, and direction. I'm not gonna say them in that role, but I just wanna let you know. So Isaiah 58, verse eight to 11, and then we're pivoting here to, to, to help you. How do you get direction from God? How do, you, how do you see God? And one of the things that really stirred me to do this is when Sheldon was uh, giving uh, his, what the Lord laid on his heart, uh, he, he talked about some of the things that I've taught about how to hear the voice of God, how to get direction. And when he said I was like, you know what? Let, let me do that again. Let me do that again. So that's what we're going to do. So um, Isaiah 58 verse 8 says, your light will break forth like the dawn. In other words, God will bring clarity like the dawn. And what does that look like? Well, many times, I don't know about you, but because I get it real early, you have the room darkening shades or blinds and the room is dark and sometimes you don't see where you're going and even though you know the room, you may bump into a bureau or bump into or trip over a shoe that you left out or, or, or feel for the door. But when dawn comes, it's not exactly sunrise, but the dawn creates just enough light for you to get clear of the obstacles that you could stub your toe and then have to prove whether you're really walking with the Lord or not, only kidding. Then, goes on to say in verse 9, and this is the Passion Translation of the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, God will answer you when you call or when you cry or when you pray. It seems like there, there is an acceleration of response from heaven when you cry, when you fast. Verse 10 says, your dawning light will rise in the darkness. So now you're going to get direction. Verse 8 is clarity. Verse 9 is answers. Verse 10 and 11 is direction. Verse 11 says, God will always guide you where to go, and he always will tell you what to do, where to go and what to do. Where to go and what to do. Say that with me. Where to go and what to do. So let me give you a scriptural example, and then I'll give you a personal life story of, of me that will hopefully be a blessing to you. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we have King Jehoshaphat, who was one of the most noble, God-fearing, God-walking uh, king in Israel's history, and he is being blessed like crazy. Everybody in the region knows who he is, and they get jealous, and, and really, and a great army comes against Jehoshaphat. It is an overwhelming army to the point that he is in a panic. 
Read, it, read the whole chapter. It's, it'll bless you, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, and the first thing he does after he panics is that he declares a fast for the entire nation. Not only does the entire nation fast, but they all sh show up to Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat prays to me one of the most powerful prayers in the, in the scriptures. And it's only just a few sentences. But the first thing he does, uh, and I like this, is that before he gets to his prayer, he reminds God of how faithful they were to his word. And what he says to them, God, he says, God, you told us not to attack these people when we had an opportunity. And now, decades, centuries later, look what they're doing to us. And then he says to God, he says to God, and I love this prayer, he said, God, we don't have enough power to come against this great army. Not only do we not have enough power, verse 12, we don't even know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. It is okay to know, to not know what to do, but keep your eyes on Jesus. I'll say it again. It is okay. In fact, if you have been living long enough, you will be in situations where you do not know what to do, but keep your eyes on Jesus. David said, I will look to the hills from with cometh my help. I think that's Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And as they were looking to the Lord, <laughs> as they were looking to the Lord, the Lord sent answers. While they were waiting, a man by the name of Jehaziel, whose name means God hears. Jehaziel prophesies, and he says, fear not. He says, you do not need to fight in this battle. The battle is the Lord's. Ah, God, there are some times when God says, sit this one out. And just, but, 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 when you sit it out, I want you to be a spectator of what I'm going to do. So that after I do what I do, you better tell somebody what I did. Ah, ah. So they got an answer. I'm gonna fight for you. And then they got some direction. Go to the cliff of Ziz, meet them at the cliff of Ziz, but while you're going there, worship me. Now, I never realized that the cliff of Ziz, the, the, the name Ziz in Hebrew means blossom or bloom. What am I saying? God is basically saying that I'm going to give you direction and it's going to look like you're at the edge. Oh, I can run around this church. See, you got to change. Fasting will change your perception. Right now, you think you're at the edge. 
And you know that old rap song, don't push me, because I'm close to the edge. But what God is doing, he's giving you a better view of what he's going to do. What am I saying? I don't know about you, but when I am at a concert, I don't want to be in a seat that has obstructed view. I want to be so close that I can see the sweat coming off of the athlete. I remember we got tickets. Someone blessed us with tickets to see Golden State play the Celtics. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was so close that I could touch Steph Curry, but they would have thrown me out of the gym. But my point was is that I, I, I took pictures. Why? Because I wanted to let people look at the pictures and say, wait a minute, how close were you? And so sometimes God doesn't move till you're at the edge and you think you're following in, but you're not going to fall in. You're going to see how the Lord brought you out. And so now, they're at the edge. Ziz, because God said, you're going to bloom. You're going to blossom. I know you lost your job. I know that you can't come up with money for, for, for this term, for this semester. But I got you on the edge so that you can get a good view at how I'm going to bring you out. So you got answers. You got directions. And then when they got to the cliff, they found out that the enemy already destroyed each other before they got there. And as they're looking, they see not only dead bodies in the valley, but they also see the enemy's stuff. What is a different perspective? What do you mean? God basically said, I want to give you stuff. And the stuff I want to give you, you don't have to get. I'm going to let the enemy bring his stuff to you, thinking he's going to take your stuff, but I'm going to destroy the enemy so that you can take his stuff. He thinks he's come to jump. My Lord, have mercy. Some of you think that the enemy's coming to attack you. God has brought the enemy to you so that you can, no, so that he can take his stuff and give it to you. And so what happens is that you get the goods, but he gets the glory. Tell somebody, you get the goods. Uh, you just saying that you don't believe it. Say, you get the goods. God gets the glory. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, they keep raising the rent. They keep raising the rent. This isn't fear. God said, I'm making them raise the rent so that you will stop renting and buy a house. And you would have never bought. Oh, my child moved back home because they lost their job. I moved, you've been praying for your child to get saved, and I decided to jack up your child, make them lose their job so they will come under your house where the anointing is so that they'll get saved. 
You have no way, you have no idea that God is working behind the scenes. And if you trust that he's working, even, on, you, even if you don't see it, why don't you give him praise on credit, knowing that he is... The valley that they thought they were going to be destroyed in, they ended up, read they ended up getting so much plunder, it took them three days to carry away the plunder. And they renamed the valley, the Valley of Barak. In other words, the enemy has set for you a valley of the shadow of death. But if you would fast, and if you would worship God, you will blossom so much that the valley that you thought was going to kill you ended up blessing you. Ah, ah, let me tell you, let me, let me tell you my fast story. So at the age of 19, I was a sophomore at Bentley University, coming off my best semester, making dean's lists and doing well. And I know this was the Lord, because at that time I was really, really going after God. I got saved at the age of 10, uh, and so April will mark 54 years that I've been uh, walking with the Lord. You don't have to do the, the math, I'm 64 years old, and got filled with the Holy Spirit at 13. But then at 16, I really started getting serious about God. Bought my own Bible, not the ones that they give you, you know, when you're in Sunday school, which is nothing wrong with that. But I bought my own Bible. And, and so by 19, the Lord, I just had a hunger to get closer to God. And so I went on a two-day fast. And I call, it, I call it the Acts chapter 13 fast. If you read Acts chapter 13, the Bible says that the prophets and the, and the teachers, they just came together to worship God in prayer and fasting. They weren't looking for anything. They just said, God, we just want to worship you. But because of the worship, God says, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I call them to do. So out of, out of the worship of fasting, the greatest missionary endeavor of history took place. What would happen if we would just fast simply because we love Jesus and not to get stuff? It was quiet in here. So I was worshiping, and the Lord says to me, you're going to be the pastor of Pentecostal Tabernacle. And I was like, what? And I said, what? Because there were so many people ahead of me that it, it, it didn't make sense. And then he said, and you're going to marry Carmen Selman. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Lord. I like that. I like that answer. And so, I don't know if we have a picture of the lovely Carmen back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she had that head down to her shoulders and blowing and loving you, you know. <laughs> so I said, okay, God. So we, we went on a date because her, her father was not, you know, her father was not, he was a tough guy. He was not having any dudes with his daughters. And so we, we went on a church date 
what's a church date? Well, you have convention. We used to have conventions all the time in July. Uh, the organization I'm a bishop over, uh, I grew up in, so we used to have convention in July all over the country. And this, this convention was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And so there was a banquet. And uh, at this banquet, Sister Jenny, at this banquet was uh, Lionel Harris. He's actually sang at our banquet. We talked about that. And so I asked Carmen, would you be my date for the banquet? Uh, we were far away from our father. And so we, another state. So we went on this date, and it was a nice date. And then I took her out uh, again. Uh, at her job, if she worked at a government center, again, far enough uh, that her father couldn't know what was going on. And, and, then, uh, and then I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, I want your direction. Should I ask Carmen to be my girlfriend? And the Lord said, yes, ask her. Um, here's a lesson. Just because the Lord says yes doesn't mean the situation will say yes. But I'm 19. I'm like, okay, God, this is, this is going very well. So I said, you know, I, I remember we were in the, we were in the John, John F. Kennedy government building. We were at the elevator. You can tell I was traumatized. And I said, would you be my girlfriend? And she said, no. Oh, she didn't just say no. She said, no, I like somebody else. Mm. Now, in fairness, in fairness to her, see, she, get, she gave me clarity a little later. She, she panicked because she knew her father, you know, like that like that uh, R&B song, I can't go for that, no can do. So she, she just froze it. She said, you know, no, I like somebody else. Well, she kind of like this guy, okay? Yeah. Well, she, she, no, now she's now she going to fix it. It was a crush. Yeah, you fix it now. It wasn't feeling like a crush back then. And I remember I was devastated. I was devastated. Can I be real here? And so I was devastated, and I remember back in those days, uh, the, the red line only went to Harvard Square. It didn't go all the way to Al Wife like it does now. And I remember uh, getting on the bus. Uh, there was a bus called the Arlington Heights bus, and it would stop you know, by, you know, near Somerville. And I just remember, hey, I'm, I'm a big athlete, and, and I just was turning. I remember sitting on the bus, turning, looking out the window uh, like one of those uh, uh, like one of those country videos. No, I didn't want anybody to see tears are coming down my eyes. No, she broke my heart because she said no. You know, I was really, it was, it was bad. And so going into winter break, and I said, well, God, she said no. Let me check out this other young lady. Uh, hey. Hey. Dang, she said no. Let me, let, me keep, let me keep it moving. No, patch myself up. Took my final exam, so now I'm ready to ask this young lady out. And I asked her out, and she said yes. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is working. And then 
Sadly, unexpectedly, her father died, and she wasn't from this, she wasn't born in this country, so she had to go leave the country for her father's funeral, and therefore she was out of the country for my entire winter break. And I was like, God, what do you do? Can I, real talk, real talk, real talk? I said, God, what are you doing? And the Lord said to me, I said that Carmen is to be your wife. And I said, God, maybe you don't understand the words no. She said, I like someone else. And the Lord said to me, I don't care what she said, she is going to be your wife. I said, okay, Lord, well, let me wait with this young lady until she comes around. And the Lord said to me, as far as I'm concerned, you're married. And if you're married, how can you be dating other women? I was like, are you kidding me? I'm only 19. See, isn't it interesting that with blessings, you don't care what age you are. But when you're testing, you're like, God, I'm only. And so I said, okay, God. Oh, it gets deeper. You see, God, God, God is ruthless when it comes to dealing with the flesh. That following, that summer, now it's getting into summer. Got my own car. Summer. Got a nice job. Summer. Got everything but a girlfriend. <laughs> to keep my sanity in the summer. I'm talking about, can I say, can somebody say summer? My mother thought there was something wrong with me. I was going to bed at 8 o'clock. You all look. Summer. It's as bright as this. And I'm going to bed. You know why? Just to keep myself in the will of God. So when you young people say, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. He'll keep you if you want to be kept. So then, oh, it gets, see, see. <laughs> so the guy that Carmen said she liked, he's from New York. He decides that he's going to come up to Boston. And he has nowhere to stay. And because we know each other. He says, Brian. Can I stay at your house? And I said, oh, God, you, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? Can I? I said, God, you must hate me. 
Oh, yes, I did. You must hate me. It's bad enough she said no. It's bad enough she said she doesn't like somebody. But now you're going to test me by having bro say, can I stay at your house? And then on top of that, you think, I mean, because we didn't have an extra bedroom, Yeah, he slept in my room. Oh, it gets worse. No, and because, you know, my mom and dad, they got a new bed, no, uh, 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 bedroom set, and so they gave me their old bedroom set, so I used to have this nice big bed, and now, I almost said his name, and now, uh, uh, we, now he's sleeping, my boy, is sleeping next to me, as he's here to see Lady Carmen. And so while we were sleeping, grabbed the pillow. No, no, I didn't. No, no. no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But the Lord was testing me. I remember there were three young ladies. They were all fine. And I remember literally saying to three of them, I said, God, if she start liking me, forget Carmen. <laughs> Instantly, they start liking me. I was like, the devil is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you something. When you hear from God, he's going to give you, he gonna, he's going to test whether you really believe or not. He... We'll see, do you want his perfect will or do you want his no will? This whole stuff about his permissive will, I don't believe that stuff. God has one will. And so as fast forward, she started liking me, we started going together, we started praying and fasting, and we still had to believe God to speak to her, her father's heart, and so God gave me direction. He said, I want you to write a letter to Mr. Salmon and tell him that you want to marry his daughter. And so I had to ask my wife permission, and she was nervous as anything because her two older sisters got kicked out of the house when the dad found out that they liked their, uh, the men that they ended up marrying. So Carmen and I were in agreement. Mom, Selman, a woman of prayer, we were all praying. She gave my letter to her father. A few days later, Carmen calls me in excitement saying, my dad wants you to come by the house. You need to understand, I'm the first boyfriend. My wife's the youngest of nine. I'm the first boyfriend allowed in the house. I'm telling you what prayer and fasting will do. Came in upstairs with fear and trepidation. Dinner was on the table. And he said to me, leaning back, saying, so what's your intention with my daughter? And I... I got the Holy Ghost boldness rising up in me, and I said, Mr. Selman, I want to marry your daughter. 
And he said, okay, what should I be wearing and how much money do you need? And by the grace of God, we got married and Mr. Salmon gave his daughter away. I'm telling you what God will do if you make it more than a song, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And then my final point, so I got, clar I got answers, I got direction, but then I got clarity. Carmen's around 37, so we had been married 12, 12 years. Uh, no, we married 15 years, because she was 22. So we married 15 years, we have Vanessa and Jessica, and my mother-in-law said, you know, Brian, um, Carmen, you know, we went to uh, Barbados, and you know, when I came back from Barbados with your father-in-law, I was showing, and next thing you know, you know we had Carmen. She, Carmen is the youngest of nine, but the, there's a four-year difference between her and her younger sister, so Carmen was basically an oops. And I, I started worshiping the Lord because I realized that God loved me so much, he made her just for me. And this is what the clarity I got. So this fine, that's my, yeah. Wait on the, yeah. That's what, that's what 15 years of marriage and two children, wait on the Lord. <laughs> I say all that. I'm finished. This is what fasting will do. This is what getting direction from the Lord will do. This is what listening to God will do. That's why, that's why I love and work with you young people because I say to folks, I want you to have what I have. But you can't get what I can't, what I have, unless you follow the script. Sure. This month, I believe, um, help me out, Elder Cameron and Elder Jenny, there's teaching on dating or marriage and, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, okay, help me out here. Uh, so, so at the well, Tuesday night Bible study, teaching on how to do dating and marriage God's way. So you don't end up with someone who can mess your life up. So you don't end up with somebody who, if you had to do it over again, if you saw that person walking down the street towards you, you would cross the street, cross the highway, 
to make sure Can we all stand? I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about that's obviously choosing a spouse and but there are other things career, the school, friends. God, we quote Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, but I don't think we practice it because Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Some of, many of you, your understanding has got you into a whole lot of mess. And that's because the scripture says, in some of your ways, acknowledge it. In all your ways, ask for his direction, and he will direct your path. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just take one minute and just a simple prayer, however you want to do it, by asking God in 2023, Lord, lead me and guide me. Just, just spend time. It says you will cry and he will answer. Just, Lord, lead me and guide me. Lord God, I need your direction. Just one minute. Let, let's open our mouths. No silent prayers. Let's open our mouth. The Bible says, you will cry and he will answer. Lord, if there was any season, I need guidance for my career, guidance for my relationships, guidance to, to, to witness and bring friends to Jesus Christ. God, I need, I need you, Lord. I need your insight. I need your insight. How do I raise my children? Oh, God, how do I be a good friend to... Uh, to the people around me. How, 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 help me to be the pastor I need to be in this season, in this pandemic season, and season where there's such challenges with mental health and all sorts of things going on. God, I need your guidance. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Come on, 20 more seconds. I, I don't know what to you do. What if God is hearing this prayer right now? Pray as if God, this, this could be the prayer that turns things around, Lord. So I'm, I'm calling you, Lord. I'm calling you, Lord. Open doors, Lord Jesus. Meet the financial needs I have, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, bring healing, Lord. The, uh, friends are sick. Relatives are sick. God, I, I need you. I need you. I need you. God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed just before we close up, thank you for your patience. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he wants to rescue you from yourself. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. 
you were created, just like I said, I got clarity that, wow, God, you love me so much that you created this woman, Carmen, Elaine, Selman, just for me. So that, so that when I become of age, she and I can do things for you that neither of us could do without each other. That you put us together, not simply to have children, not simply because of love, but you put us together to accomplish something for you that would bring you glory. And Lord, there's people here that you brought here to be introduced to the Jesus who wants to pick out every perfect thing that you already have in store for them, from jobs to their life mates to their purpose. But we will not find those things without you. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're not going to ask you to, to come up to the front of the church or anything like that, but we do want to pray for you. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior or you're not walking with him now, but you want to give your life to him, and you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you please pray for me, whether you're online or in the room? Could you slip up your hand and I'll, I'll see your hand. No one else will see your hand. I want to make sure I pray for you. I don't want to miss anybody who wants to give their life to the Lord. Just want to make sure that I don't miss anybody. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to bless you as you leave this room. Please do not forget to, um, to give your, I think I lost, oh, here it is, to fill this out, to be a blessing to our volunteers. They'll be reading it sometime during this week. Let them know that you encourage them. Say more than thank you. Give them words of affirmation. Let's bow our heads. Put your hands out so that I can bless you. Those of you first-time guests, we don't end with a closing prayer. We end with a closing blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, and beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him and finally may the Lord give you his shalom his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure his prosperity and his success and may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everybody say I receive that blessing God bless you, have an amazing day and make sure you get downstairs to drop your note in the basket on behalf of our volunteers. Hey family, thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue